I'm Steve Burnett with CrudeOilCalendars.com. Outstanding, and the levels look good. Thank you for joining the program here today. I saw your cartoon or calendar cartoon. I'll let you explain that in just a second. Didn't mean to be insulting or even spoil it. But uh, in the uh, Oil Man magazine, and I thought, hey, this is a great thing here. It, it celebrates really kind of some of the capitalism and some of the passion and some of the history and fun of oil and gas. So we thought we'd bring Mr. Steve Burnett on and see if my uh, snapshot interpretation is anywhere near of what he's got going on over there at Crude Oil Calendars. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing good, sir. Doing good. Well, thank you for joining the program. Uh Talk to me a little bit about your uh, calendar, how it came about, the genesis, and what you got going with it. Well, the calendar is uh, is oil field, and I'm just, you know, I've been doing cartoons since I was little. There's some cartoonists out here in West Texas uh, that I really enjoyed, and I enjoyed the Ace Reed cartoons, and he did cartoons for newspapers, and they also sold calendars. That was how he generated his revenue. And I've worked in the oil field since I was 14 years old, and I met uh, um, uh, John Erickson, who did the the Hank the Cowdog series in the mid-'80s, and he told me to cartoon what I know, and I know oil field characters, so that's where it comes from. And my dad, my brothers, and everybody that I'd graduated high school at one time or another was working in the oil fields out here. This is a little oil field community I was raised in. So my cartoons are my way of uh, bringing humor to the industry, celebrating the the field-level employees, just basically saying, thanks for what you do, have a grin on me. And uh, currently it's in 31 newspapers in four states, and in the Oil Man magazine, and the Petroleum Museum in Midland also carries my uh, T-shirts and calendars, so. Fantastic. how long have you been doing this? Uh, my first crude oil calendars come out in uh, 92 and 93. Uh, but back then, you had to I had to estimate my sales. I couldn't just print them up one at a time the way I can do nowadays. So in we, 92, we, we, I sold cartoons, I mean, in calendars, and then I estimated how big I'd have to grow in 93 to try to make it a full-time industry and it happened to be an election year so and i had no idea how how much the oil industry shuts down during an election year so so 93 and then i set on the calendars until 2014 when i was teaching petroleum technology at north central texas college and i got to showing my uh, oil field cartoons to the students and they really enjoyed it so that kind of inspired me to bring it back so i've been doing the calendars again since 2014 so Taking some notes there as we're talking, and the first one I wrote down is paradigm shift of printing, and I, I'm I'm sure you know your comment about uh, back then you had to estimate sales and you you know you, you had to pay you had to pay the printer before you even sold a calendar, and I my background's printing of 25 years, so I. I you know, I, you I started out on light tables, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got computer software. So uh, I, I was very, very happy and fortunate to be a part of that paradigm shift. Just like in the media, I was very fortunate to be a part of the Internet paradigm shift because I do believe there's a paradigm shift happening in oil and gas right now that is 
uh, extremely important to what's going on, uh, both from an innovation side, but also from a public perception side. And what you're doing, I, I really like from a public perception side, because anytime you can add a little bit of fun and a little bit of humor into something, even if it's making fun of itself, it seems to be a positive in the end. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, sir, I do completely. And and I've always said if there's anything you're going to bring to the oil field, especially a new employee, you better bring your sense of humor. Because, you know, you just you just got to have a sense of humor working in the field. Because sometimes at the end of the day, after you've worked 24 hours trying to get a, a production location back online, that's all you got left is your sense of humor. So. So you've been in the oil field since you were 14 years old. Uh, you mentioned also, I, I wrote this down too, you know, you mentioned in 92 uh, oil prices kind of took a downturn a little bit or mentioned that, you know, they, they went down. And I, I've cited that for for years after the 2014 downturn, or the recent one, that um, during the 90s, that whole decade was kind of a downturn. We had low oil prices for almost the entire decade of the 90s. It wasn't until the early 2000s that it started picking up again. Uh, do you remember those days? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was working offshore for Pennzoil from 79 to 95. So I remember I got down to $8 a barrel. So, uh, and, it's, and it's funny, I mentioned that. That was a big focal point when I was teaching uh, petroleum technology at North Central Texas College. There's a big hiring gap. It's like there was a bunch of boomers, baby boomers, working in an oil field, and then it wasn't until like uh, 2014 or you know a little earlier, 2008 or nine, when it really started booming again. That the, the hiring started taking back over. So there's a there's a generational gap in the employees out there through that through that long downturn period. Yes, sir, I do remember that. Well, Very and, clearly. And, and that's interesting you bring that up because what's happening right now is there is a big, uh, they call it the big cruise shift or the, you know, the retirement happening. And, yes, sir. You know, I'm so, with it. Yeah, I, I'd like to know your, you know, your, your thoughts on that. And just to kind of set the table a little bit for the listeners out there, uh, over the next, I guess it's three years now because I started hearing this three, four years ago and they said over the next five to seven years that uh, something like 70% of the energy industry, uh, oil and gas industry specifically, will be retiring. That they're, they're, at the reti- they're already at the retirement age, so it's as a matter of how long they can keep them on a special board or <laughs> make up some new job for them because at the same time, they got to usher in the, all these new people. And it's like a, it's a very rapid and a very quick shift of guard. And so... I believe, and I say this, and I've heard this, there's kind of a vetting process going on right now because uh, there's such a war on oil and gas that's been percolating more and more that it's really important that energy companies know who's in their company dynamic, if that makes sense. So uh, I, I really... Uh, opined the question a little more than I should have. I should have let you speak, but I just got rolling there. I apologize. So, uh, your thoughts on the big cruise shift in retirees? No, no problem. I'm very familiar with it. I mean, that was one of the one of my sales points when I was teaching at NCTC, trying to keep the program open because the Texas Workforce Commission said, "Oh no, in 2014, the layoffs. The industry's dead. There will be no more jobs. You have to close." all the petroleum technology programs. And I was showing them the research that said there's a 100,000 
employees a year that's at retirement age, even with the downturn, they're going to have to replace these employees. And the biggest thing is <clears throat> these new employees that they're that they're that are coming on into the industry now, they were not raised with uh, tools and the skill set. I mean, when I was growing up and all the baby boomers, I mean, we worked on cars. We we had a lot more to do than the uh, than you know. In, anyway, we just have a have a different skill set. So the new employees need to be trained up. I mean, it was simple when I was teaching at NCTC. It was I was it was just blew my mind how a lot of the students I had to just teach teach basic tools. You know how to use the tools. That's just not something that something we had to do to the boomers. We we knew how to use tools, but I mean it it, it, it is a big crew change. And like you said, there's a hundred thousand a year in the industry that's retiring, and they got to replace them. I mean. You, you can hear about all these people retiring, layoffs in the drilling industry and everything, but even the production and refinery facilities still have to replace these people that are retiring. So there is, there is a, it is a huge deal. Well, most I'll tell companies. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say most companies, you know, they they facilitate a safety program when on these new employees, and that was one. And I've even wrote for Oil Pro. Dot com and Oilman Magazine that a safety program is not a training program. When these oil companies hire and they put them through their safety program, they want to turn them loose in the field, well, they need to supplement that with a training program because these new hires don't have the skill set to go out and work in work around equipment. So, I've said on the program that part of the vetting process, if you will, you know, you mentioned they weren't raised in the industry. The way I phrased it was they, they don't have an understanding of the, the, how the industry was built and have a respect for the industry. And what I mean by that is I was not raised around fossil fuels. I was raised in agriculture um, on the east side of a state that has energy, but it's very much like Colorado and very much like Boulder, Colorado, and very much like Austin, Texas, which is a little bit more blue than red. And in Fargo, North Dakota, that's another that's another thing where they can control the rest of the state and it's very blue. So I actually began the crude life to go out and investigate against oil and gas. And it wasn't within a two days I saw that they were not the villains. They were the opportunity people, the, the opportunity bringers, they were the ones bringing opportunity to communities to build and make better lives. Now, what happens on a local level, that's a different story. And I'm not going to blame the energy industry for doing that. Um, and so we actually changed our gears very quickly and started focusing on the innovation because that was the real story. The community building was right. the real story. The technology, the whole paradigm shift, and and just really the new social dynamic that was happening. So that that's my background. When I talk about, I don't think they have a respect for how this industry has been built, how it's worked with the land. Like when I found out how closely they work with landowners, I was blown away. Just blown away. I mean, seed companies don't even work with farmers as closely as a lot of landmen and energy companies work with the mineral people, for crying out loud. So I, I do, 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 do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you grew up in the industry. I did not grow up in the industry. So fill me in a little bit on my observations as someone that didn't you know, grow up in it and how I started out kind of with this narrative that, hey, fossil fuels are 
bad, boo. And then I go in there and I flip ship, flip gears, if you will. I don't know. Yeah, I understand completely. I mean, when most people looking outside, looking in, they think people that work in the oil field, you know, are just, you know, money grabbers and we're going to do everything. But what they don't realize until they take a closer look is that the communities we work in, the landowners we work with and everything, they're our neighbors. I mean, we're part of the community. We want to take care of it. We want to take care of the resources and the land. And, and, and for the most part, people that work in the industry will do everything they can to maintain that. And then a lot of people don't really realize how much the industry impacts the whole industry, like all the plastics you deal with and all the synthetics and everything is all petroleum-based chemicals. And even even like your Dr. Pepper, people love Dr. Pepper, but the preservative in it comes from petroleum. It's a chemical from petroleum. So it's just it's just so much huge, huger, larger, whatever the word is, that most people realize. And people that work in the industry, they're doing the best they can for their family and the community. They do everything they can to keep the, you know, keep the integrity of the community up. We're not just all money hungry, you know, environmentally wasteful people that work in the industry. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. The thing that I, I took away over the last 10 years getting to know this industry that I would say is very different from the other industries. Now, I've been in the media for over 25 years. I've won two national awards in the newspaper industry and in the radio industry. So I do you know, have, have a little bit of diversity and a little bit of background with my news ability. And the thing that I've noticed about the energy industry is that not only is what you say true in terms of the community? The, hey, these are the same people that go to church together. Their kids go to school together. They all want a better life together type of a thing. I, th- that is true. But the other part that sets them apart, that, that apart from other industries, because, you know, I imagine some other industries are like that too. But the executives and the CEOs are very accessible to the rough hand and the rig hands and, you know, and, and the cafe owners. It just seems like the, the executives at the top of the uh, you know, pyramid, if you will, really do actually want to know what's going on in the bottom of the day-to-day operational things because at the end of the day, that's how they become more efficient, more innovative, and make a better sandwich or a better widget, if you will. Um, does that observation make any sense to you? It does, and that's been a, that's been a huge shift in the industry as well. That was not the case when I went to work in the 70s and up, up through the 90s, actually, as far as the, the upper management and the people that run the company. They did not invest in the employees. They did not get in touch with them and keep up with them. For instance, back then, they, when I was working in the industry, they didn't promote from within. Where the industry now will promote from within, they realize the, the experts are actually the field employees and they seek seek their input on projects and they promote from within and this this that was huge in keeping people around and keeping people motivated but it just hasn't always been the case it was kind of when i worked to work in industry it was you know do it my way or the highway and uh you know and they didn't mind coming in and articulating that to us so so that wasn't always the case that's relatively a new thing huh that is relatively a new thing okay that's absolutely correct yeah and i noticed it when when the industry started promoting from within, when the industry started saying, okay, 
we need the field employees input because after all they are the experts in as far as the equipment and stuff like that i mean that was a huge shift and that is that's been really positive for the industry well that was the thing i absolutely fell in love with you know that some some guy working on a on a well well site can figure out a new vibrating tube that saves the company money and pretty soon you know a year later he's He's got a company and a staff, and he's all of a sudden a president of a, you know, some industrialized company that's uh, making the world cleaner and more profitable. I, I love that. I mean, it's, I've said for probably three or four years now, like I said, I've, I've, I've covered a lot of different industries, and I can honestly say that it seems to me that the energy or the oil and gas industry is the last bastion for capitalism right now in terms of as close to a capitalistic opportunity and community building positive things that come out of capitalism left. Everything else just seems so regulated and subsidized. Yeah, that's true. And, and a good example would be the middle of Odessa permanent basin. I mean, there are so many new companies down there that are taking advantage of the industry. You know, and the employees that they bring in. I mean, it's just growing like crazy down there. It's just amazing. So, so what's going on for your calendar? We better get back to the topic at hand, you know, because I, I, could, I, I could chew the fat with you all day, man. Um, uh, Steve Burnett, crude oil calendars and in, in newspapers and magazines, and you can buy calendars. I imagine you got one ready for 2020? Yes, sir. The 2020 is ready. I would like to mention that. That all proceeds from the crude oil calendars will now be going to Oilfield Helping Hands and or the Destin Dirt Clubs for, for the rest of my 2000. Both of these are organizations that are based in the oil field, and they provide fundraisers for, uh, I mean, the oil field is still a very dangerous and industry, and, there's, and, and they provide when families, for some reason, find themselves in a situation where they need extra finances. And the Destin Derrick Clubs, they they do a lot of fundraisers for uh, for education. They provide scholarships for for people that are wanting to go to work in the industry, so they can train and get the skill set they need to go to work in the petroleum industry. And what was the name of the two organizations that the crude oil calendars, the proceeds for the 2020 calendar, go to? <clears throat> yeah, it's Oilfield Helping Hands and the Destin Derrick Clubs. You can find them on their website which I don't have handy right now, but just you can just web search Oil Field Helping Hands, or it's the Association of the Desk and Dairy Clubs, and find the local local one, Dairy Your Oil Industry, wherever you want the money to go to, and in their logo, I'll put your logo and say you're a proud sponsor of the Oil Field Helping Hands of the Permian Basin, for instance. So where can people buy your calendars? I imagine you have a website. I do. You can get the calendars at Crude oilcalendars.com well that's pretty easy to, to, to remember is it is it a 12 month calendar a standard one yes sir it's a 12 month standard calendar uh each month we'll have, of course have a new cartoon <clears throat> and then i put the logo at the bottom of the uh, of the calendar and i also have a color calendar i got a lot of requests i used to do watercolors for the cartoons and it just becomes so time consuming as my newspapers and everything grew that i had to I had to cut back on my time, so I haven't done the watercolors in a few years. But I had a lot of, a lot of requests for them, so I've done uh, a best of colored calendars that actually has some of the old watercolors on it. So you can do a colored watercolor or a current 
black and white. The current black and white is more uh, more current cartoons that I've done recently. Mind if I ask, is this a full-time gig? Is this your hobby? or? <laughs> this is a hobby. I'm still working in this industry. I'm a, I'm a uh, pipeline inspector full-time. My cartoons are my weekend part-time job, but I'm knocking on the door of retirement, and I'm hoping to turn this into a little income here in a few years, so... Well, hopefully you'll be able to. Are the calendars selling pretty good? I know that, you know, obviously I was in uh, publishing for 20-some years, and I, I know what happened in the in the print industry. It, it declined quite a bit. It's it's never going to go away, but it's right. at the same time, it's certainly finding a niche. And, you know, calendars seem like something that would do pretty well um, still in, in on the print side of things versus, you know, so, some of the other <laughs> casualties of right. print, if you right. will. Right. Uh, are, 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 are the calendars selling pretty good? They are selling pretty good, but I've, since the oil industry is such a roller coaster, I mean, when they, when they have the downturn, they cut in, cut back all their promotional stuff as well. So I've actually had to go into, I do four cartoons now. I do a blue cartoon, which is for law enforcement. My youngest son works in law enforcement. I do a teach cartoon for educators. I spent 16 years teaching in the classroom after I, after I was downsized from the offshore industry. And then I do a paycheck cartoon, and it's more... Uh, some of the newspapers were complaining that crude was too industry specific, so I had more of a general blue collar cartoon called Paycheck, and I also have 2020 calendars for all those as well. All right, any final thoughts here as we wrap up? Yes, sir. I was going to say if anybody's got any any questions or need anything, they can call me at eight one seven five five zero three zero zero one, and that's crudeoilcalendars.com.